Hello and welcome to the Locust and Honey podcast. We are two Reformed Southern Baptists who desire to speak the truth of the gospel to the heart of the culture. We are also proud members of the Bar Network, which stands for Biblical and Reformed Network. If you would like to support our growing podcast, you can do so several ways. One, you can leave us a comment and share our podcast on your social media. Two, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And three, you can follow the link in our show notes to find all of the other ways that you can support us and connect with us. First Timothy chapter three, verse one, this saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Well, hello and welcome back to the Locust and Honey podcast. My name is Matt. And I'm Andrew. And today is episode 40. Join us as we have a potluck conversation. <laughs> Bring your own topic. It is a smorgasbord. Smorgasbord? Smorgasbord, yeah. Smor- smorgas? Is it smorgas or smorgas? I, I always say schma. Yes. I like the schma of it. It is a smorgasbord. <laughs> of conversation that we're having today. So if you have been following along, we have just finished a four-part series on the last days, question mark. We looked at uh, the Olivet Discourse. We looked at Revelation and kind of gave a introduction to why we are post-millennial. And I hope that it was helpful. Massive introduction. It was a massive introduction. It was like a four-hour plus introduction. <laughs> um, but uh, it was not um, the end-all be-all right. of everything, Yeah, which is why I say it was an introduction. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. we just... Just shows how much there is. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so, like I said, I hope that that was helpful for you, for you guys. And uh, before we get into affirmations and denials, we need to talk about next week. <clears throat> next week is our one-year anniversary of the Locust and Honey podcast. We launched uh, the Sunday that was closest to Reformation Day last Mm -hmm. year. And so next week will be that. And um, we've had fun. That's right. We have. We've enjoyed this year. That is correct. And uh, we look forward to next year and seeing um, what the Lord does with this podcast. So um, we're enjoying it. We're having fun conversing these are conversations that we're having anyway and uh and so it's um not a huge struggle for us just to sit down and record as we're talking so i hope that it's beneficial for you as well the listener um if it is let us know 
Um, but what we're going to do <clears throat> next week, we're going to have a question cast. So we will be answering you, the listeners, questions. If you have any questions, it's not too late to send them in. You can email them to info at locustandhoney.net. You can reach out to us on Instagram, on Twitter. We have a Facebook group at Locust and Honey Podcast. And uh, I think that's our handle on Instagram as well. Mm -hmm. And Twitter might be at Locust and Honey. I don't know. It's on there. It's, I'll yeah. put it in. Yeah. So, uh, but the one thing that you can do, you can click on the link in our show notes and it takes you to our link tree, which gives you all of our information. You can support us financially on there. You can get our email from there. You can get our Facebook page from there. You can get our Twitter from there, all of our socials, um, all of that stuff. That is our end all be all way to find out. Uh, it, it, I think it goes to our website. It goes to our most recent episode, uh, all that. So uh, if you want to reach out with a question, go to the show notes and click on the link. It will take you to our page and you can uh, message us any way that you desire. Yes. So, uh, but send in your questions. Uh, we've had several and we're looking forward to answering them all in our one-year episode. So, um, Yeah. Thanks for being here for a year, for those of you that have been with us from the beginning. If not, go back and check out some of our stuff. We've had fun this past year. We've covered a wide variety of topics. So I, I would en encourage you to go back and listen to some of the stuff that we put out. Andrew. Yes. Do you want to affirm or deny first? Uh, I'll affirm. Okay. I'll affirm. Let's affirm something. Okay. Okay. Um. So I am going to, well, this morning I was listening to, or I was watching the YouTube. The YouTubes. And I found this, uh, 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 video. Video. Well, yeah, but I was thinking of another word, but oh. people were making, it was a video and it oh, was God. about Eminem who. The candy or the rapper? The rapper. Okay. Who, um, covered, uh, so it was him, DJ Khaled, Kanye, and Kanye West. Oh yeah! Did you see that? They're all Christians now, bro. I was like, that's interesting. <laughs> but the thing is, is like if you listen to the lyrics of Eminem's part, yeah. I, what I'll what I'll say is this: What will you say? You've got a situation where you got someone like Eminem who was so like, I mean, like his lyrics prior were just. All right, so as uh, we, it's, you can't, you really, it's hard to tell whether or not someone is genuine from afar. You just can't do it. There's been the conversation, but what you can't, about whether or not like Kanye is genuine and stuff like that. All right. But what you can do is you can look at lyrics, you can look at fruit, what they say, you can look at their fruit, yes. Yeah, so if I'm looking at a tree. Right. And I see apples on that tree, I can be like, hey, that's an apple tree. Yeah. Now me, I'm not a... Herbentologist? <laughs> what is a tree scientist called? I have no idea. Oh, man. Now he sounds stupid. Yeah. Well, I, I can't look at trees and determine what they are. Um, some I can, the the obvious ones. Yeah. But if I see pecans on a tree, I know it's a pecan tree. Right. And if I see acorns 
on a tree. I know it's an oak hey. tree. <laughs> an acorn tree. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if I see an orange growing on a tree, I know it's an orange tree. If I see bananas, I know it's a banana tree, yeah. right? I can look at the fruit on that tree and figure out what kind of tree it is. Mm -hmm. uh, a pecan tree is not going to be growing bananas. Right. And so uh, I can look at somebody's life and I can examine the fruit that they are displaying. Yeah. And I can make an assumption based off of that. Right. Right. So what you're saying is looking at Eminem's life up to this point, the fruit that he's been displaying is completely different is from not the fruit of the, the lyrics that he wrote. And so there seems to be this 180 kind of for that song. Flip for that song to exist. You know what I mean? Um, so what's he saying for those that have not heard it? Well, basically, he was talking about um, how, really, his lyrics were about submission to Christ. They were about yeah. submission to Christ. And, and that was... doesn't even say that, like, his record label had forbid him from saying Jesus. I think so at some point. I some think, of it was kind of hard to make. He, yeah. he raps pretty fast sometimes. I but. think he was saying, though, at, at some point, his record label... Uh, part of his contract was that he could not talk about Jesus. Mm -hmm. So therefore he talked about sex and drugs and all of that. <laughs> Dang record label. <laughs> Just. <laughs> but yeah, so then he gives a shout out to Jesus as his Lord and Savior and mm -hmm. all of that. Um, go ahead. Sorry, I hijacked your... No, no, no. It's just, it's just, I don't know. I think what I'm affirming is... The fact that, you know, you take someone like Eminem and you listen to their songs, his his songs or people like his songs for a period of time, and you're like, how in the world is this person ever going to be reached with the gospel? But the cool thing is that no one is like that. No one is unreachable, mm -hmm. you know? Um, I mean, the gospel is ultimately we're all suppressed. Well, those who are lost are suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. And so really... Right the Lord can turn anybody from death to life that yeah. he pleases. And, and it doesn't matter what they're like before that because everyone before that's in the same boat. They're all, we're all suppressing the truth before, when we're dead in our sins and trespasses. Yeah. You know? So I don't know. That's what I'm affirming. It was, it was really cool to see, honestly. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. And then you got Kanye, uh, which is a whole conversation of itself. Like, right. But, um, yeah, I, I think the affirmation in all of that is the gospel is counterculture, uh, countercultural, and the gospel can reach anybody, right? There's nobody who's too far off from the gospel. Mm. Um, but what we as Christians, and I, I see a lot of people that do this too, we don't understand who we serve, you know? And this isn't against you. This is... I, I, I know your heart, but there are some people that they forget that we serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Mm -hmm. And so they think, man, we really need this high profile person to be a Christian. Right. Because then that gives us clout. Right. That gives us authority. That gives us somebody to point to, to say, look, I'm not crazy. Mm -hmm. You know? Right. Um, so whether it's a president, whether it's a, a movie star, whether it's a, a musician, we, we want to have somebody that we can go to and say, look, I believe what this person believes. Um, but we as Christians are the body of Christ. And if we harp on it all the time, but Matthew 28, mm -hmm. all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples. 
You know, we serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who spoke everything into existence. Like we don't need anybody else on our side. If God is for us, who can be against us? Yeah. You know? And so, um, that would be my one reservation in that is for people that are looking at that. And then they're like, Eminem's a Christian now. Now that validates everything. <laughs> that validates my faith now right. that Eminem's exactly. a Christian. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, we pray for, the salvation and the soul of Eminem, you mm-hmm. know, we pray for the salvation and the soul of Kanye or anybody that listens to their music or any political figure or, you right. know, all of those things. We pray for their salvation. We pray for their souls. Uh, John MacArthur just sent a letter to governor Newsom. And, uh, basically that's what he was saying. He was saying, you know, here's some things that you're doing and here's biblically why they're wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, my prayer is not just that you change a political stance. Uh, I'm, I'm worried for your soul, for your eternity. And my ultimate prayer is that you come to faith in Christ for your sake, for the sake of your soul, mm-hmm. you know? And um, I, I think that's incredibly respectable, you yeah. know? And I think that's a good example to follow, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, we should have done these last because that's a great That would be a good segue. To yeah. what I want to talk about. So let's put a pin in this conversation. Right. We might come and back to we this. We may to segue. come back to this. <laughs> um, yeah. So, all right. My affirmation is uh, a question that I asked the youth on Wednesday night. And the question was this uh, If, so we just had, uh, this summer, the overturning of Roe v. Wade, um, by the Supreme court. And it wasn't just an overturning where they said, uh, never mind, we changed our minds. What they said was, we believe that when they instituted Roe v. Wade, that was unconstitutional. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're overturning it, not because we've changed our minds, but because they got it wrong at the beginning. What they said was an, a right is not a right. It's mm-hmm. not uh, in our constitution and it's not a right. And so we are getting rid of that, um, not because we're changing our minds, but because it should have never been in the first place. So the question I asked is, uh, should should Obergefell be overturned in the same way? And, um, and I'm affirming that that answer is yes, mm-hmm. that Obergefell, which gives the right to gay couples to marry, um, that should also be overturned in the same way that Roe v. Wade was overturned. Not in that we're, hey, now we're going to change our minds and say, now you don't have that right, but we're going to look back at that and say, actually, you never had that right. Right. That was something that the court made a mistake on, and we're overturning that mistake to make it right again. Mm -hmm. Um, So that is my affirmation that Obergefell is in the same uh, vein of Roe v. Wade and with the same logic that Roe v. Wade was overturned, Obergefell should also be overturned. Yeah. That homosexuals do not have a right to marry. It would be interesting. I, I, I was in, I think I was in high school when that decision was made. Yeah. It'd be interesting. Um, where were you at? Let's see, were you in ministry at that time? I was at. I think I was at uh, school. Yeah. So what was it like? Was it like a big thing? Or well, two thousand and eight 
That was like 2008, right? Uh, I thought it was like 2012 or 2013 12? or something. Then I would have like been at school. Yeah. I, um, I don't. Yeah. Um, I remember. I remember in high school, it was kind of a big thing. I mean, I mean it was a big thing. About yeah, it. it was a big yeah. thing everywhere. Um, there was like this. I, I remember just having a feeling of like almost defeat. Well, the, the <laughs> White House lit up in rainbows. Yeah, I know. It, yeah, and, was... uh, and so that was the first time, though, that like I saw. I, I Truthfully, I think what that helped me do is detach from looking for politics to be the saving grace of right. the Christian faith. You know, uh, I, I think in the eighties and the nineties and the early two thousands, there was, uh, even now, like when you talk to people, there's, and we've talked about this a lot, but there's a lot of people that their hope is in the government. Mm -hmm. Um, their, their hope is in the government to right wrongs and, um, and to push at the way that they see the world around them. Uh, and you see this on both sides. You see this with the far left and the right, and you see they want to legislate what they believe to be morally true, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but a Burgerfeld was my kind of, because I wasn't alive during Roe v. Wade. Right. So that was kind of where I saw, okay, maybe the government is not going to be the enforcer of biblical truth. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe it's up to the church to do that. Yeah. And, and so I think it was helpful in that way. Um, but I, I think the, the role of the government is to protect people. And, um, and I am somebody who would, uh, be a theonomist. So mm -hmm. I would say, that the government is always legislating morality. I would much rather that be a biblical morality that they're legislating than a right. worldly sinful morality, which is what Obergefell and Roe v. Wade did. It was the government's attempt to legislate a um, secular morality. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so I, I would much rather see the government legislating biblical morality. And so if we're using that ideology to overturn Roe v. Wade, then let's be consistent and use that same method of thinking to overturn Obergefell. Yeah. I would affirm that. Me too. Cool. Hmm. All right, let's deny some stuff. All right. I'm going to deny identity politics. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So we were watching... Mm, yes. That's what I felt. That's what I felt <laughs> during this story. We were watching a show... Uh, on on TV last night, and and it's called Southern Charm. But the the episodes. That, oh golly! Yeah, well, the episodes that contain this particular thing with this little rift that people that the characters have with one another has gone on for the past two or three episodes, and so it's been like we've been sitting there watching this thing unfold for uh, like couple days now or and so it's like basically you've got this woman who she's a white woman she uh apparently made this like this comment under a instagram post or a direct message to somebody on instagram that had a monkey emoji now 
when you read the actual direct message, it's, it's, I would say it was probably unwise of her, but you can't really say that it was like a racist thing because it was like the way that she was, when you read it and then when you hear her explain what she meant by it, it makes sense. You know what I mean? And so, but anyway, it set off this whole thing and she's got a bunch of friends who are, um, well, it, it, it does, the thing about identity politics that people don't really get sometimes is that it's not, even um, within identity politics, it's not necessarily the race of the person that determines whether or not they engage in identity politics. Right. Which is in itself, uh, anyway, so... Um, so like it's a, it, it, that itself is a disprove is a so like going back to Kanye, for identity con- politics. Well, but, going back to Kanye, like yeah, him and Candace Owens, yeah, yeah, they just wore White Lives Matter right. shirts to right. a gala in yeah. France, yeah, and like and so it, it's basically what happened was these this group of girls ganged up on this other girl who said the thing in the direct message. And their reasoning was that, okay, she is, it, it doesn't matter what she says, she's white, therefore her opinion doesn't matter as much, or her opinion on this particular topic doesn't matter as much as ours does because she's white. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think that thinking is faulty. I think that thinking is um, very, very destructive because you can't, have actual dialogue at that point. If that is the case, you're never going to be able to actually build bridges. You're never going to be able to understand one another and come to the table and actually work out whatever indifference you've got. It's just going to always be this chasm between you. Mm -hmm. And so I I think I'm going to deny that because that's everywhere. And what I was just saying was just one example of it. But um, it doesn't even have to necessarily do with race 100%. It's got, it finds its way into abortion. It finds its way into, um, well, what you think about what Burke felt. What it, it finds its way into everything. This idea yeah. that because you're not someone who is, who the subject is pertaining to, like you're not a gay person or you're not you know, a woman who's pregnant or you're not so a minority, that all of a sudden you don't have the right to speak truth to that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so, well, and, and I think for that, one thing that we try to be is consistent mm-hmm. and allow God's word to speak. And what God's word says is that we are all created in God's image. Right. Right. So each individual, not just each person, you know, and this kind of goes into my denial. Um, I'm denying, I'm going to throw it out there and then we'll loop back into yours, but I'm denying, uh, Thomism and how within the reform camp, there's a lot of people that are pulling from Thomas Aquinas and, um, what Thomas Aquinas was doing was, um, he was pulling from Aristotle and trying to redeem Aristotle's thought and make it biblical. Right. So, but one of the big things that Aristotle taught was that, we find our identity not in the individual being created by God, but the fact that we are humanity as a whole, right? And um, and so 
what makes us valuable is not just the individual created in God's image, but the, the whole humanity as a whole. Mm. Um, and we had intellect and we had reason and all of that stuff, you know? And, um, so like with what you're saying, uh, what the Bible teaches is that God made each and every one of us and he made us specifically and he made us good. Um, he made us for a purpose. Now sin has wrecked that, but God's desire and God's plan, um, is, is sovereign over that. Right. So, uh, all of us have, which is where we get our constitution, all of us have these inalienable rights. Mm-hmm. What makes it a right is the fact that God made us with these certain things to be self-evident, right? Uh, so when you go to a Burgerfield or when you go to Roe v. Wade, uh, what they were saying is this is a right that God made us with the right for the woman to decide if the baby lives or dies, mm-hmm. you know, or God made us with the right to decide if we want to marry somebody of the same sex, right. you know, uh, which that's not true. It's, it's, it's biblically untrue. Mm-hmm. And that is not a right that we had, which is why my affirmation to overturn a Burtafel using the same logic, uh, is, is what it is. So this Thomistic thought, um, you know, and, and it, it comes in a bunch of different ways, but, um, what, what I would say is, um, with what you're talking about, just because somebody has more melanin in their skin than me, uh, one, that doesn't make me better than them. Right. But then two, that doesn't make what they, their truth more truthful than my truth. Right. You know, it makes us all even, it makes us all level, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, and so that's what it should do. It should make us even and level. And, and the idea even of race, you know, um, does racism exist? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But is race a thing? It's, it's not, right. it's not in scripture, you know, uh, race is something that we created in the colonization of America and classifying people by worth. You know, mm-hmm. um, that's when we said, okay, well, this person that looks this way is less valuable than this person that looks that way. Right. Uh, and that's unbiblical. Um, does that exist? It does. Cause we created it, you know, just like we create a lot of sins that exist, but that doesn't make them true. Mm-hmm. You know, just because somebody looks a certain way does not make them more valuable than another person. And what you're saying is the opposite of that, you know, but it's still placing value on somebody because of how they identify or look. Right. Um, and it's giving them more credit or more value or more ability to speak truth into something than somebody else based on how they look or, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so as Christians, we should be able to see past all of that. Right. Um, I should love people because they're created in God's image, regardless of how they look. We are all equally valuable. We're all equally worth worthy, um, of, of value and honor and dignity and respect. And that should be the Christian stance mm-hmm. and that should change the way that we live. It should change the the friends that we have. It should change the, the way that our churches look, you know what I mean? Right. Um, because we're not just trying to, um, love and, 
um, be involved with other people that look like us, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and we understand that everybody has this value and worth and dignity. So everybody uh, is able to read God's word and come to the same truth, not based off of our experiences, but based off of his absolute truth, right. which is uh, it, it, it sifts our experiences. You know, what we're doing is we're trying to say, okay, well, whatever my experience is, I'm going to take God's word and whatever filters through my experience, I'm going to keep and what doesn't, I'm going to get rid of. But that's not how we should do it. We should take our experiences and sift them through God's word mm. and whatever stands is true and whatever doesn't, we get rid of. Right. You know? So, yeah, I uh, affirm your denial. <laughs> so your affirmation, though, we talked about John MacArthur. And I'm going to start with a different question. Okay. Which will lead us into your question. Um, like I said, today uh, is a, a potluck <laughs> A potluck. We don't really know what we're talking about. We're just all kind of breaking to the table. So here's here's my thought, and my question is this, um, which I think will flow nicely into your thought and question. I started off reading First Timothy chapter three, looking at the qualifications of an overseer or an elder or a pastor, right? And um, how does that play into speaking the truth of the gospel to the heart of the culture. So uh, I'm going to read it again. Um, The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of an overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive, For if someone does not know how to manage his household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. With our political culture the way that it is and with such a chasm between Republicans and Democrats nowadays. Um, Also, with the chasm between vaccinated and unvaccinated or the chasm between people that are pro-life or pro-choice or the chasm between LGBT and non-LGBT or the chasm between social justice or not you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. there's a lot of things that divide us today, right? So how does somebody desiring the office of a pastor speak the truth of the gospel to the heart of the culture while still being these things? Um, and, and so, like, specifically, how do we not become puffed up with conceit? How do we... Um, how are we to not be quarrelsome or how are we to be respectable or self-controlled? Um, how are we to be above reproach and still be like the prophets of old? Mm -hmm. So like you think of like Elijah, right? Elijah comes in and, 
uh, he's taunting the prophets of Baal. He's saying, is your God on the toilet? You know, um, or you've got Elijah or uh, Ezekiel and Ezekiel at one point is making fun of the genitalia <laughs> of the people. Right. You know, um, and so how do we look at that or Paul who was beheaded by Rome, um, but then also tells us that we are to, you know, uh, submit to the government and you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so how do we biblically and how do we consistently look at this passage and are we to just bow down to the culture? Are we to not make a stir? Um, and can you go overboard with that? Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah. <coughs> I think there are some people that uh, are on one side of this, which would be they're just bowing down. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about that. Like people are like, well, the government's going to shut us down if we meet. So let's just shut ourselves down. You mm-hmm. know, we're not going to have church for a year um, or we're going to mandate everybody that comes here has to wear a a mask or we're going to make everybody show their vaccinations to come in, you know, that kind of stuff. You Mm -hmm. had that going on. Um, but then you've got the, the other end of that. And there are some pastors that are incredibly brash, right? right? Um, and then they come in yielding this big old hammer and just smashing everything around them. Looking for a nail to hit. Right. Yeah. And uh, and, and and so how do we deny both of those um, but still engage the culture with the truth of the gospel while upholding First Timothy? Yeah. Well, I, I think it goes into um, the passage I actually had pulled up here. What do you got? I've got First uh, Peter 3 the famous passage about apologetics where um, uh, starting in verse 15, it says, but in your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a clear conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame for it is better to suffer for doing good uh, if that should be God's will, then for doing evil. Um, so we look at this passage and we see it starts off with honor Christ the Lord as holy. So we are to be in submission to God's will completely. I mean, in a way that is not just that we know the word, that yeah. we are that we are biblically literate, and, and can, can cite scriptures for hours, but that we are um, actually submitted to the things that God's word has called us to. And so that includes, um, it includes what's next, which is being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. But it also includes what's after that, yet do it with gentleness and respect. And so um, one of the things that I think can happen to a lot of people in, uh, in today's climate that we're in is, is a lot of pastors are, are, 
we're we're arming ourselves because we know that we're in war. You know, it's it is a cultural war that's going on. The thing about that is that there was a cultural war going on when these words were written as well. The word of God doesn't change based on the circumstances. It stays the same. And through that, God works his purposes. And ultimately, if we actually believe in God's word, that it's his, his work building the church, that he is the one making his enemies his footstool. He, the gates of hell will never prevail against his church. But that power is coming from him. It's not coming from our brashness. Now, that's not to say that there are not moments where you need to be sharp because the prophets were. I mean, that's what you were just citing. I mean, you know, the prophets of old were sharp. Paul was very sharp. I mean, you have moments where the enemy has got to be struck down. Mm -hmm. But that's different from looking for a nail to hit. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, and so that's kind of my thoughts on yeah. that. And I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians 13, mm-hmm. starting in verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understanding all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have, and if I have all faith so as to move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. For if I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. And so I would also argue that that is the concrete, right? Mm -hmm. Um, If I have love, which kind of goes back to what we're talking about. If I understand that everybody is created in God's image, right? Um, I can love all people, whether whether that I agree with them or not, I can still love them. Uh, which is why when we were talking about John MacArthur, I think that what he did is a very good biblical example of First Timothy and these passages that we've been talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because his letter to Gavin Newsom, like, so him and Gavin, they've got history. Mm-hmm. Uh, MacArthur continued to meet during COVID and Gavin Newsom wasn't happy. And Gavin Newsom kind of went after MacArthur specifically um, and started finding them and all this stuff. And it went to court and was found that what Gavin was doing was um, not legal. And, and so MacArthur ended up winning that. <laughs> and, um, and they continued yeah. to meet, you know, in California, which shut down for a long time, like a year and a half, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but so... MacArthur had reason to um, be hostile. To I guess. wield his sword. Yeah. yeah. But but what he did is he said, biblically, here's what you're doing. Here's why it's wrong. But more importantly, I'm concerned about your soul. And my desire is for you to repent and to turn from your sin so that you can put your faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, that is what's going to save you, not just doing the right thing, but faith in Christ is what's going to save you. And uh, I feel like the overarching purpose behind MacArthur's letter was not just to um, get points or, or rub egg on Gavin Newsom's face as he's running. Because he's making, he's doing all this. He's, he's running for the presidency. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's not just trying to smear Gavin Newsom, but I think that 
love for his soul is is the driving factor behind behind what MacArthur was doing. And um, so I think that's a good example of what it should look like to engage the culture with the truth of the gospel. And you can be sharp and you can be pointed, but do it lovingly. Mm-hmm. So for me, as a parent, there's going to be times that I'm going to be very sharp with my sons, but I'm doing that not because I hate them or I want to see them fail, but because I love them mm-hmm. and I want to see them succeed. Um, and, and looking at the prophets, there's times that what they were doing, they were doing out of a love for God and his holiness, you know? And so sometimes there are heads that need to be cut off, not physically, but spiritually. Mm-hmm. There are certain things in the culture that we need to attack and it needs to be destroyed. But in doing that, it's the structure of it or the sinful thought behind it. It should never be just the person that mm-hmm. I'm trying to just put down for the sake of putting them down or winning on social media. Right. You know what I mean? Like with Twitter, like Twitter's a, a swamp, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And there's a lot of Christians on Twitter, specifically Reformed Christians that <clears throat> are, are wielding sharp verses or ideas or thoughts and but they're they're doing it without love they're Mm -hmm. just doing it to win you know right and uh and people see that whether lost or christians and they're not attracted to that because they have not love you Mm -hmm. know um and, and so i i think that's the key is whatever i'm doing whether i'm talking to somebody who's lgbtq or i'm talking to somebody who's pro-choice, um, I need to love them. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, I can be sharp. Right. And I can carry the full weight of God's word, uh, speaking the truth, but I've got to be speaking the truth in love. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I, I might win the argument, but that person's completely turned off to the gospel. Right. You know? Yeah. So, uh, which goes back to, if what we're presenting is the gospel and it's beautiful and God's word is beautiful and we serve a beautiful God, we need to present a beautiful gospel, mm-hmm. you know, not just, Hey, you're a horrible person. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, you need that. Right. Not that you're a horrible person, uh, but you need to help people see, what sin has done to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And and this kind of goes back to something that we brought up before where God loves the sinner but hates the sin. Mm -hmm. And if if that saying in and of itself was true, then there would be no people in hell, only sin. Right. You know? Uh, But you see people that will be in hell because God judges the person, not just the sin. Mm -hmm. You can't separate the sin from the sinner. Right. You know, and so I think you need to show that, but you also need to show it in love with the the good news of the gospel. And that is that while we are all filthy sinners and we can't separate that from who we are, it's a part of us. Um, there is an out and that out is Christ. Christ mm-hmm. did come. He did die. He did pay the sacrifice. It was a worthy, acceptable sacrifice because he rose again. And those who put their faith in him will be saved. 
Now you need a new heart to do that. And we, that's the prayer is that your heart of stone will be replaced with the heart of flesh, Mm -hmm. that these skeletons will have God breathed flesh and organs and muscle and tissue and skin and life breathed into them. Um, so that's kind of my thoughts. Yeah. I mean, and that, that's, that's really the beauty of it is that, um, you've got a story of, um, conflict. You've got a story of, uh, doom until all of a sudden you don't anymore, you know, um, all of a sudden because of what Christ has done for us, um, our heart of stone can be turned into a heart of flesh and it, we can actually worship the Lord as he desires. Um, and, and live a life that is pleasing to God, uh, because we're covered in the blood of Christ. And so, um, you've got both of those aspects. You've got the sharpness of the gospel, but you've also got the beauty of the gospel. Yeah. Um, but the sharpness is part of the overall beauty of the gospel, you know? And so when we're, and when we're talking to lost people about the gospel, but also when we're talking to just when we're speaking into cultural things, I think that's what presenting the truth and love kind of is, right? You've got the sharpness of the truth, but it's done. Well, it's number one. I mean, it's done in a way, like it says in uh, first Peter, um, with gentleness and respect, because ultimately the goal is repentance. You love this person. You want them to repent, you know? Um, but, um, but yeah, so, so with that, um, is there a point in which it's acceptable to not be gentle? Yes. Or respectful? Yes. What would that point be? Um, well, I would say that that's when, what we were talking about, when you do have to chop off the head of an enemy, right? Okay. Um, so, for example... Um, so like Pharaoh. Right. Um, Pharaoh. Would that be... Pharaoh's ultimately, uh, his heart was hardened mm-hmm. and he's destroyed along with his firstborn son and all the firstborn sons of Egypt. Um, God's judgment is poured out on him or Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm-hmm. God's judgment is poured out on them or the prophets of Baal and God's judgment was poured out on them Yeah, or old covenant Israel and the Sadducees and the Pharisees and all of the religious elite that crucified Christ, God's judgment was poured out on them. Mm-hmm. Um, how does that consistently flow with what we're talking about? Well, I think it goes back to, and you bringing up a lot of different uh, instances throughout scripture. And I think that what we've got to do when we read something like with gentleness and respect, we've got to put that in the context of scripture as a whole to really understand what Paul is talking about. So, um, that should be our default, right? That's what I'm saying. That should be our default, but there are exceptions and the exceptions are things like 
what you were saying, where either you've got a sin that is so wicked and so atrocious. So like, for example, you've got the Parkland shooter down in Florida. He did not get a death penalty. Right. He killed 17 children. You know, that's an abomination. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, he, he deserved a more harsh punishment than what he got. You've got um, another instance, for example, where let's say um, you have been sharing the gospel with somebody, you've been pouring into them and they're not repentant, they're not repentant, they're not repentant. At some point, there comes a time where you've, you've got to say to that person, okay, you've seen, I have shared a lot with you. Yeah. You have, you have heard the gospel, you have heard it presented, you're just unrepentant. There comes a point where that's got to take place. Yeah. That's got to be said for that person's good um, because that's what they need to hear, you know? And then I would say the third thing that immediately comes to mind is a situation, for example, like when, um, so you, you see these Christians standing outside of abortion mills and they're telling women who are about to go in, you are about to murder your child. Yeah. That is a similar situation to, um, you know, I mean, it'd be a similar situation to, to Christians standing outside of the concentration camps in the 1940s, yelling at the Nazis to not throw the Jews into the gas chambers. It, it, mm-hmm. Because what you're doing there is you are pleading for the life of that child. Right. And you need to be sharp. That is a moment where you've got to wield your sword to chop off the head of the enemy. Now, not that you're chopping off the head of the mother, but you're trying to stop her from right. from doing this, committing this act, yeah. both for her sake, so that she's not a murderer, but then also so that you save the child's life. You know, So um, those are really the three kind of instances that come up in my head that I think kind of go along with the, the stories in scripture that we were saying. And I think that you have to allow scripture to be the foundation for all of this, right? So if I'm talking about what does it mean to be above reproach, um, Mm -hmm. if I'm talking about what does it mean to be respectable or self-controlled or uh, gentle or not quarrelsome, um, what is that saying? And, And what you've got is you've got a lot of people that would deny scripture saying, Hey, that guy's not being loving. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. like if if I in in 2020, if I'm not wearing a mask in public, then I'm not loving my right. neighbor. And lots of people, even atheists, were talking about how you have to do this for love of neighbor. Mm-hmm. Because you love your neighbor, you have to wear a mask. And so they're pulling from scripture right. and they're putting the context in their current culture's definition of what Mm -hmm. that means. And then you've got Christians on the other side who are saying, well, if I don't do this, it's going to hurt my witness for Christ. Right. You know that. And so that's my point is the culture can't dictate how I define these terms. Mm -hmm. God's word has to, you know, so I can still be Elijah on Mount Carmel, cutting off the heads of the prophets of Baal and, and, and still be, seeking after God and loving God and knowing that this is ultimately God's judgment falling on these people. Right. Um, and, and so everything that Elijah was doing was holy mm-hmm. or Ezekiel, everything that he's doing and saying is holy. Um, 
And, and, and that's what pastors need to understand mm-hmm. is um, because I see a biblical worldview in front of me, I understand that the mom that's going to get an abortion is about to commit murder. Mm-hmm. And because I love the child and ultimately because I love her, I don't want her to do that. Right. You know what I mean? Because I care for her soul. Um, because I care for that child's soul and life. And because I believe that God made all people in his image mm-hmm. with certain rights, what they're doing is unbiblical. It's unjust. It's unloving. And so because I'm trying to be loving, because I do love all of my neighbors, not just the ones that the the current culture tells us we should love, uh, but because I love all people, I'm trying to intervene. And, and um, so I think if we are going to speak the truth of the gospel to the heart of the culture, we are going to have to carry this sharp two-edged sword. Uh, but just like with guns, we've been... Th- We've been talking about guns mm-hmm. lately, um, not on the podcast, but just together. And one of the things that I was talking about is a gun is a tool and it can be used for good or evil, just like a hammer can or a knife can or a shovel can mm-hmm. or a axe can. You know what I mean? They're all tools that were created for a purpose and they can be used for good or evil. The person is what decides that. Right. right? So I can use it for good to... Um, protect and uh, all of that, provide peace and all of that, or I can use it for evil to hurt and kill and bring pain and torture. You mm-hmm. know, um, the two-edged sword of the Lord is the same way. I, I can use that to separate sin from people's life, or I can just use that as a club to bludgeon them over the head with and that is kind of the heart of first Corinthians 13, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, as I'm wielding this two edged sword, I need to be doing it in love so that Christ is wielding it through me and I'm not selfishly wielding it, which is the, the, uh, when he talks about don't let an uh, overseer or uh, a pastor be a new convert because one of the temptations there is going to be, um, that he becomes puffed up with conceit and falls into the condemnation of the devil. Mm -hmm. You know, that person needs to be mature because with spiritual maturity comes discipline and, um, and a, a disciplined Christian, just like a disciplined soldier is going to be way more effective with the weapons that they're wielding, Mm -hmm. you know? So I bring everything back to the military because that's what I was, uh, did for so long. And, um, so where I was at, 1st Ranger Battalion, uh, you had other units, like you had infantry units, like 3rd ID or 82nd Airborne, 101st, all that stuff. Um, and typically, if things have changed now, but initially the thought was, if I'm going into a city to get somebody, you know, or if there's a specific target that I want to get, I'm not going to send in an infantry unit with all these people, even though they're fully capable, what they're going to do is there's going to be a lot of destruction that mm-hmm. happens in that city. Right. You know, you're rolling in with tanks, you're rolling in with people. You got some, you know, private that's 18 years old and he's just kind of shooting everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That kind of stuff. But if I send in this more trained, more disciplined, um, 
unit, there's a fewer group of people and they're more trained and they're going to be uh, very surgical with what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, that was kind of what we were doing. And, um, and so they would use us to do that kind of stuff, you know? Um, it, it's, it's the same thing, spiritually speaking. If you have a bunch of new Christians or immature Christians that are not disciplined and then you give them the, the two-edged sword of God's word, if they just go around swinging that thing all over the place, it's not beneficial, right. um, which is what 1 Corinthians 13 is talking about. We need to do these things in love with discipline, which is the sign of a mature believer. And when we do that, we're wielding the sword rightly. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's what we should all strive to do. So I think everybody should have a gun, um, but not just owning a gun. They should train on how to use it safely and properly, and therefore they can help provide safety and security for other people, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so there was not too long ago, I think it might have been in Minnesota or somewhere around that area, uh, there is a active shooter in a mall, and a guy had a concealed carry permit, had his gun on him, and he ended up killing the guy that was uh, an active shooter in the mall. Mm-hmm. And um, there, if I don't remember how many people were hurt, but uh, because that guy was there with a weapon, he was able to eliminate that threat. And a lot of people that would have been injured or killed were safe because of that gun, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the understanding is if if we know how to rightly use the tools the Lord has given us, um, that provides peace and safety and comfort, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so with a gun, everybody should have a gun, but they should also know how to use it and, um, know how to use it safely. And what that does is that provides peace and comfort and safety and security. But as Christians, we should know how to properly wield the sword with discipline. And what that does is that makes us more effective at reaching people with the truth of the gospel, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so, uh, yeah, that's kind of my, my, my thoughts on, on this is we don't need to be on one side where we're just bowing down to the culture and letting them define biblical terms mm-hmm. with the current view of what it means to love my neighbor, right. um, or hate speech. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So like, uh, was that C4 bill in Canada? If you, yeah tell your kids if they come and say, Hey dad, I'm a boy, but I identify as a girl and you speak biblical truth to them, then that's hate speech, you know? Um, so what you don't want to do is just bow down to that and be like, well, I want to love my neighbor. So I can't tell them that it's a sin to (laughs) kill their child or that it's a sin to have same sex attraction or it's a sin to fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I have to let the Bible define what that means. What does it mean to love somebody? It means that I'm going to speak the truth to them in love. Right. You know, and that can be painful or that could hurt or that could be abrasive or that could be this or that. But that is ultimately what is loving, mm-hmm. you know. So we need that. But then we don't want to go to the other end where we're just looking to whack everybody. Right. You know, right. I mean, with our club of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we're just looking to be quarrelsome or right. to I hate people that think this way Mm -hmm. and I want to just 
verbally annihilate them. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and anybody that thinks that way, right? you know, um, oh, so what do you think about this? Oh, you do? Okay, well, here you go. I've got this one truth fact, and I'm just going to mm-hmm. hit you over the head with it. This is what scripture says, here, 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 and here. Right, yeah. What so, are you going to do with that? Right. <laughs> so I'm, yeah. I'm not going about that lovingly. I'm right. just trying to win an argument at that mm-hmm. point. And that's prideful. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and that goes back to First Timothy. Let them not be a recent convert, but let them have the maturity in Christ, which— yields a discipline in Christ, which yields me being able to wield the sword of Christ right. rightly. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think this uh, was a fruitful conversation. I think so too. So for those of you listening, our desire for you is to, one, uh, look at what First Timothy says and look at your your pastor or pastors, look at the leadership in your church. Are they doing that? Um, are they being peaceable? Are they doing all these things, but still standing on the word of God? Mm-hmm. Are they desiring to share the truth of the gospel to the heart of the culture in love? Uh, or have they just bowed down to the culture? And then on the other hand, are they just looking to beat everybody over the head, um, but they're not loving sinners? You right. Know? Um, and then you specifically as well, what are you doing to engage the culture with the truth of the gospel? Uh, we do need to have the double-edged sword of God's word coming from our mouth on a daily basis, but it has to be wrapped in love. Um, so that's the call is to know God's word, know the truth of his word, be able to speak that truth in love to people. But in love is the key. Uh, otherwise, we are a clinging symbol and nobody wants to listen to us. That's right. So if you're still here, we love you. <laughs> and I hope that you're having a good Lord's Day. I hope that this conversation was helpful and beneficial. And don't forget to send us your questions. Next week is the one-year anniversary of the Locust and Honey podcast. Woo! 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 Oh, I was trying to time it up. all right have a good lord's day and we will talk to you next week that's right Mm, bye-bye bye-bye